1: from studio 6b on a friday night ending the week rick delgado's doing news doing what even is that little double duty tonight mr delgado yeah well it's a typical friday you know <laughs> paul's uh, MIA. <laughs> paul's uh
2: shopping or something or whatever he does on fridays
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh rick emirati's here he's gonna have sports uh in the flashy suit tonight mr emirati how are you
3: hey big day, big college football weekend M- enormous It will be enormous.
1: Clemson-Notre Dame is probably the highlight of that weekend. No doubt. Um, Good NFL card as well on Sunday. Me and Paul did our sports radio show this morning, and we talked about all those games. Um, Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Lots to do, lots to talk about as we end the week. Just a reminder, we'll be on next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we'll be off till January 4th. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, then we're off until the new year, January 4th, and man, the fireworks will be ready to go then. That'll be one hell of a week to come back. <laughs> got Congress and Senate being seated on the 3rd. You've got the runoff on the 5th, and then you've got God knows what on the 6th. So, and we're going to be stepping right into it. That'll be one week to come back for sure. Um, so lots to get to. I'm going to spend a lot of my time tonight on this report that's out today in Breitbart about, about Mark Zuckerberg. And if you remember, Dinesh D'Souza, the filmmaker, conservative voice, got into some issues and went to jail for uh, FEC violations of, I think, around $20,000. Yeah. $15,000, 20000 I think it was, I think like it was
2: twenty. I think it was a $20,000 campaign contribution that he uh, yeah. misfiled. or well, I don't even know the, the ramifications around what it was.
1: So this report has Mark Zuckerberg... At $419 million, nonprofit contributions improperly influenced the 2020 presidential election. Now, do you think Mark Zuckerberg is going to catch any kind of grief for this or uh, asked any questions about it or even looked into or the media will take any interest in this story written by um, Michael Patrick Leahy over at Breitbart this morning? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This thing is as detailed, goes through. And I'll tell you what, I give huge credit to Phil Klein, who's been on this show two or three times. And Phil Klein was on this Facebook Money probably in October, maybe even sooner. But I saw him talking about it in October. He came on the show for the first time, probably then too. And uh, this report is out from the Amistad Project and Phil Klein's group. And um, he has been on top of this. So I'm going to go through this because, in some ways, the country is so corrupted at this point, in so many, so many ways, on so many levels, um, because of the Democratic Party, and people and big tech people like Mark Zuckerberg who come off as, you know, this guy in his college dorm room who came up with this great thing, and you read something like this and you realize. He's interested in unlimited power is what he's interested in, in wielding it. And he did that. And uh, I'll go through this. And it's quite stunning. Uh, We'll get to that. But I want to start here before we do some news. So there's a breaking report out of the Gateway Pundit, who I I go to a lot, but I don't don't use their stuff too much on the show. But tonight they have something that says Kevin McCarthy says that DNI John Radcliffe delivered – The report um, today, it says the report due today was mandated by an executive order by President Trump. Uh, Chad Pergram from Fox News reported late Friday after the DNI John Radcliffe delivered the report on Eric Swalwell tonight. This report says that he delivered, I believe, the report that was due under that executive order. McCarthy finishes the briefing with Pelosi on China and Swalwell, says DNI Radcliffe delivered the briefing. The FBI on Friday briefed GOP Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Speaker Pelosi on Representative Eric Swalwell's relationship with Chinese spy Fang Fang. Uh, McCarthy emerged from the briefing room and told reporters at the Capitol that Swalwell should not be on the intel committee. As a matter of fact, here is Kevin McCarthy uh when he came out from uh, our friends at FedNet, provided this footage here it is i don't talk about what goes
4: on inside there but it only raised more questions and the one thing that was fundamentally answered he should not be on intel
5: could
6: you talk about the, the um, are you for uh, mcconnell's line the two-day cr in the senate yeah. Are you for Yes, agreement? I think
4: we're very close to getting an agreement. I think two more days would allow us the time to get it done and allow time for people to be able to read.
7: And so, you, just to be clear, you said if you're close to agreement? Or no, we are. I,
4: are. We, we are close. We are close. So, getting
8: back to this, you cannot specifically say. This. Look, I, I don't talk. <laughs>
4: no, the, the, the one thing I know for sure, I, I had questions about whether he should. That's the one question that was answered. He should not be on intel. Please. I just think the appropriate thing, he should not be on Intel.
3: Leader McCarthy, there have been calls for Congressman Dan Crenshaw to resign, calls for a congressional ethics pro because of the VAID report
2: linked him to a smear campaign with a former female veteran. What do you do about this if you think an ethics pro would be the program? No,
4: no. Dan Crenshaw is a hero to this nation. I know a lot of people try to do a lot of things for Dan because he's willing to stand up. And I, I, I see the attacks, and they should stop.
5: Were you aware of the report or any
2: concerns about the allegations in the
4: IG report? I haven't read the report, no. This
2: is serve sort as of an
8: example of all lawmakers that they need to be on guard from
4: China. The well, one thing we've always said, remember, we had the we, we were hoping to get a bipartisan um, task force on China, but we have one. But you read from the Intel director, uh, John Radcliffe, the expansion from China and others, um, all all members of Congress. And as we found in the public uh, reporting here in this case, um, down to mayors and city councilmen and others. Um, China is an adversary in many shapes and many forms of what we found at the time of stealing of technology and others and how far they will go continues to show day in and day out. And um, I think everyone needs to be aware, but the Intel Committee is a special committee. It's a committee that keeps our secrets committee that's able to know our secrets this committee has a lot of information that members of congress do not and i just think there are definitely 200 other democrats that i know could fill that place long before this individual should be serving
7: thank you
1: so there's the um minority leader in the house kevin mccarthy and what so what's confusing about this is that he, he briefed them on swalwell but but this report makes it sound like this was maybe part of the bigger because it says the report was due today, mandated by an executive order by President Trump. Right. So yep. that's we were we were told that report was going to be late. Yeah. Yesterday, delayed.
2: yesterday we were talking about it. They were saying how the career uh, the career professionals over at uh, DNI were slow walking things. Um, but maybe you know what? Maybe Ratcliffe said, you know what? I don't care where you're at. Give me what you got. And maybe he did a preliminary report just to get it into the hands of the president to say, here's what we're looking at. It's not finalized yet, but this gives you a good idea. Here's the evidence. And, uh, you know, help him make his decisions going forward.
1: But that's separate from the Swalwell thing that happened, obviously, early 2000, whatever it was, 11 or 14. It was way back. I think it was 14. Yeah. So that's not part of the, um, the e- e- executive order. No. Right, so that's what's confusing just about when I read this, because I read this thinking, okay, Radcliffe delivered the report that we were told was going to be delayed. But then you read this, and it's all about what he delivered was this report on Swalwell. But it's almost like two different reports. Gotcha. So um, we'll have to see what more comes of that. If this report, uh, the executive order from 2018 made this report about election interference from outside, uh, you know, outside – uh influences was due today and we were told that was going to be delayed now we're hearing maybe it was delivered in some form by Radcliffe to the president today and then also McCarthy got briefed on Swalwell which you heard his heard his remarks he should not be on intel yeah and you also heard in there a couple other news pieces I don't know what the Dan Crenshaw thing was but uh, obviously he stood up for Dan Crenshaw there um but they did pass the House and Senate, I believe, passed by voice vote today, a two-day continuing resolution because they think they need two more days to pass something <laughs> that they've known is coming. I mean, this is our government. Yeah. This is, our, this is how it works. This is, this is the bureaucracy, uh, this huge that you, you can't – every part of your life, you can't get away from the damn thing. It's so huge. And yet this is something they've known is coming for months and here we are on Friday going, oh, we need, let's, let's pass a two-day continuing resolution to get to Sunday.
2: Yeah, it's like the guy that waits. And, who
1: operates like this.
2: The guy that waits for the last day before uh, Christmas to go Christmas shopping. That would be me. I know what that's like. But basically, <laughs> you're running around with your head on fire, trying to make sure you get everything that you're supposed to do. Whew! You don't even care what it looks like. You just get it done. That's what we're dealing with. But this is a federal government. They shouldn't be acting like this, you
1: would think. As we as we approach twenty-eight trillion dollars in debt.
2: Yeah. And and what's amazing is that you remember Katie Hill?
1: Yeah, from California. Yeah. She stepped down. Why? She's out of Congress because she Wasn't she boffing the intern or something? Yeah, she was having sex with her own intern. Yeah.
2: Okay. (laughs) This guy was compromised by a Chinese spy. And they can't even extract him from the Intel committee, yeah. let alone Congress. He should just be, he should be barred from ever holding any type of elected office.
1: You would think. Yeah. Bang, bang with the fang, fang. Now we heard, we heard that I saw some reporting today that he have may, he may have been, um, the FBI was obviously had her under surveillance and went to him and said, Hey, you're, um, you know,
2: <laughs> your little wang, wang with the fang, fang here is
1: not working out. Yeah. And it still, I think, continued on.
2: Well, then then all of a sudden, she left the country, from what
1: I understand. 2015, I think. Or she just left.
2: She left right after, I guess, they had this briefing with him. So they think, well, maybe he tipped her off. Which he could have. We don't
1: know. Here he comes, walking to his house in Washington, D.C. today. There was a camera person out there. And here he comes up the road without a mask. Now, D.C. has a mask mandate. Um... So in some respects, well, I mean, I guess good for him for not wearing it. Stupid thing's not doing anything anyways. But he's not following the rules. (laughs) not following the rules. And here he comes, and he just walks up and, uh, you know. So, again, rules for thee, but not for me. For uh, Eric Bang Bang with the uh, (laughs) Fang Fang Swalwell. Uh. One of the more uh, repulsive people, by the way, that you could ever watch on television and just... You watch Eric Swalwell and everything you know about him, you just go, well, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. When he's on.
2: Kind of failing upwards. One of those people that seems to have things handled for him because he can't really figure it out on his own. You know, he's on the intel committee. He was, uh, he was prepped and groomed and packaged. Packaged money for his, his election by a Chinese spy. He couldn't figure that out.
1: Yeah. So um, we'll get into this Facebook report by the Amistad Project that was written up in Breitbart today. Uh, we've got some other news. Uh, this Peter Struck thing continues. So I got a great piece by Kimberly Strassel in the Wall Street Journal opinion section today about Bill Barr. Uh, Paul's going to have news. Rick's going to have sports. Lots to do on a Friday. What even is that's coming up as well. Glad you're in. What did I say? I said Paul's going to have news? Yes. Rick's going to have news. That's okay. Ball's out of here. <laughs> 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's doing double duty. Paul's off tonight. Let's do some news with him right now. Mr. Delgado, what's going on?
2: All right. Well, things uh, things are happening around the country. Of course, we're all uh, experiencing lockdowns in various forms and fashions in new york of course more than most uh but new york city uh has decided they're going to change things up just a little bit they're allowing outdoor diners to use indoor bathrooms wow (laughs) think about that so I guess taking a dump outside wasn't a good look for the city. <laughs> no,
1: no, it's prob- <laughs> probably not. No, it's probably uh, not
2: So good diners look. in New York City are now allowed to eat at restaurants as long as they sit in the snow, but they can use the indoor bathrooms. At least that's what the rule is. As you of wouldn't Thursday stand night, out,
1: by the way. <laughs> it's not a good look. But you would not stand out. No. no.
2: Uh, on, on Thursday night, the administration of uh, Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo enacted these new rules. Yay for him. The initial guidance released publicly by uh the council to mayor bill de blasio stated that customers were not allowed to even enter inside of a state liquor authority license establishment for any reason while the uh, lockdowns were in effect but that guidance wasn't very clear so they changed it and is now allowing customers to use the bathroom inside uh Let's see, customers may not enter the inside of the establishment for any reasons, but again, being changed, they contacted the governor and all the elected officials saying this is not human. They got responses, and that, I guess, led to Governor Cuomo making the change and announcing it on uh, social media as well. So,
1: Mayor de Blasio uh, was in front of a camera today, and of course, anytime that happens, that's usually going to be a problem for anyone who's got an IQ higher than 10. <laughs> and, um, well, I mean, he's single-handedly destroying New York City. Single-handedly. Yes, COVID's been bad, but he's, uh, he's handled it about as bad as you he can. Um, here's what he's talking about. Here's a little bit from the mayor. Now, you just pick out the line you think stands out here. All right. All right, here we go. Here's the, may- here's the genius mayor of New York City. Roll that, G.
8: We need to do better, and we will. And that means a commitment to fighting disparities and inequality in every part of the life in New York City. And that certainly takes us to education.
1: See, see, here's what they always do. And here's what he's going to continue to do. I've told you this before. All these these Democrats, what they always do, these progressives, they have to pan the now so that they can sell you on the future. Everything about now has got to be just... We're going to do better. We're going to focus right. it. Every- everything's inequality. We're going to, we got oh, everything now sucks. We got to pan everything about what we're doing. Meanwhile, he's been there for now what? How many years? He's been reelected. <laughs> it's, all, it's all been him. But somehow he's going to take you to the future. The here and now is always terrible. Let me sell you on what I'm going to do down the future. Well,
8: listen, it just continues. Go ahead. Where if you're talking about Uh, The problems of disparity, if you're talking about structural racism, certainly policing is not the only area to talk about. There are many areas to talk about, Mm. and education must be front and center. There has been so much that needed to be addressed in education in New York City. And from the beginning, what I tried to focus on was a very simple concept, equity and excellence, that we needed to profoundly change the distribution of resources. Uh, I like to say very bluntly, our mission is to redistribute wealth. A Bingo. lot of people bristle up that it. phrase. That <laughs> Stop it.
1: Bingo. Winner. We have a winning yeah. line. We have a winning line. Let me say bluntly that we, what we want to do here is distri- redistribute wealth.
2: Yeah. That, that's the example of saying the quiet part out loud, and he doesn't, he, he doesn't even
1: try and hide it. He makes no bones about it. No. This he could have the uh, he could have the Venezuelan flag behind him, he could have the Russian flag behind, he could have any of those flags behind him in any one of those countries and fit right in perfectly. He could fit right in perfectly to any of those socialist paradises. This speech could go on state TV and fit right in perfectly. Yeah. That's the mayor of New York City. Because he
2: wants to say, hey, all these evil people with money need to be, we'll take it from them. I'm your Robin Hood. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect their shekels and give
1: them to you. Right. His whole premise of, of, the, of racism in education now and how it has to be equitable, this idea Uh, see it's never about the individual you ever notice that he just assumes that everyone's going to move together from this if they start together and end together in the same place and anybody who (laughs) I mean (laughs) that idea that that there's no individuality here even conceptually thought about that kids are going to nothing there's nothing about the individual some are going to move quicker some are not no 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 it's just everybody's got to start and end at the same place no matter how we get there well, and that's it, that's the only way that any of these systems are going to be fair or seem fair.
2: Right. It's going to be fair because it's one size fits all. Everybody gets the same size sweater. That's what you wear all the time. And it's fair. And everybody looks the same. It's, that's fair. But meanwhile, hey, this kid runs a little hot. Maybe this guy doesn't even like sweaters. Maybe it doesn't go with the other clothes that he has. Who cares? They don't care. They still want you wearing this. You know, it's that one size fits all, even though everybody's different.
1: We got anything else there from the mayor, G? Was there anything left in that clip? Let me hear this
8: genius. (laughs) Fact the phrase we need to use. We have been doing this work for seven years to more equitably redistribute resources throughout our school system. That means pre-K for all, 3K for all, advanced placement courses in every high school, including those that never had a single one. It, It means changing school funding formulas. There's so many things that we've tried to do to profoundly rebalance the equation. Community yeah, so, schools. Sounds important, Focusing, doesn't, doesn't on it? It sounds, and, it
1: sounds very, very important. Education sounds really important when you listen to him talk about all this. Meanwhile, at the drop of a hat, they closed the whole thing down based
8: on nothing. No science, that's for sure. Go ahead. The help the most in communities that had not been invested in. That work will continue this year for sure, this hardest of all school years. But starting in September, the... Chancellor and I announced our 2021 Student Achievement Plan, which is going to focus on closing the COVID achievement gap and ensuring that there is fairness for our kids, support for them, but with a special focus on the 27 neighborhoods most deeply affected by COVID. And those are Black communities, Latino communities, Asian communities that bore the brunt. So, this work has been going on in a lot of different ways over the last seven years. It has to intensify now, given all the lessons we've learned during this most painful of years. Uh, As we look beyond this year, we understand that there are many, many tools, many things we can do differently, and it's time to start uh, using every tool at our disposal to address inequality and to improve the education of all children, and those two things go together: addressing inequality, uh, stopping disparity, and improving education for all. That's one continuous mission. So today we're announcing uh, changes to our high school and middle school admissions policies, Ooh, admissions. and I think these changes. Will hey, how about the uh, $850 million your fairness, wife... Uh, that's enough, for ...simpler and fairer. That's enough of him.
2: You know, the, the, he redistributed wealth. $850 million went to his wife, and she lost it. Nobody knows where that went.
1: It's amazing, these guys. Even if you sit there and listen to him and think he's a genius and, believe, and, listen, and think everything he's saying um, is some, somehow makes sense to you. <laughs> he just said he's been there seven years. Well, what, <laughs> what has he been doing? <laughs> Nothing. What has he been doing? They're always panning the now to sell the future no matter how long they've been there
2: whether it's 7 years or
1: 47 there's it's the same th- thing people can't get out of new york fast enough people can't get out of california fast enough people can't get out of illinois michigan fast enough millions of people re- i mean it's a, it's a story that's really not reported yeah the relocation and just how many people are on the move to get away from these iron-fisted, top-down policies, one-state-run, one-party-run states that just never—and here he is. Well, my, uh, my whole balance, my whole budget coming forward, all this is going to depend on Georgia. Huh? I don't think the people in Georgia have any interest in bailing out your socialist policies. Yeah.
2: And, and then you couple that with the fact that places like, uh, I don't know, Goldman Sachs are looking to hightail it down to Florida. They're leaving. So now you've got that worked into dynamic. How, many, how much money is that going to take
1: with it? I mean, New York City is never going to come back with no. this guy. And I don't, even, I don't know if it ever would, ever will. 30 minutes past the hour live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's doing double duty, doing the news. What even is that coming up top of the hour? Rick is going to do sports. So let's dig in here. It's going to take a while. We'll get through as much of this as we can. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, $419 million nonprofit contributions, improperly influenced, the 2020 presidential election, written by Michael Patrick Leahy in Breitbart, uh, published today. A report released by the Amistad Project of the Thomas More Society at a press conference on Wednesday alleged Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife made $419.5 million in contributions to nonprofit organizations during the 2020 election cycle, $350 million to the Safe Elections Project, quote-unquote, of the Center for Technology and Civic Life, CTLC stands for short, and another $69.5 million to the Center for Election Innovation and Research. Both of those improperly influenced the 2020 presidential election on behalf of one particular candidate and party. And let me just give you a hint. It wasn't Trump. The 2020 presidential election witnessed an unprecedented and coordinated public-private partnership to improperly influence the 2020 presidential election on behalf of one particular candidate and party. Funded by hundreds of millions of dollars from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and other high-tech interests, um, activist organizations created a two-tiered election system that treated voters differently depending on whether they lived in Democrat or Republican strongholds. Amistad Project Director Phil Klein wrote in the report's executive summary. The report identified three key actions that, taken together, quote, represent the beginning of the formation of a two-tiered election system, favoring one Democrat uh, one demographic, excuse me, while disadvantaging another demographic. Uh, First bullet point, private monies dictated city and county election management contrary to both federal law and state election plans endorsed and developed by state legislatures with authority granted by the United States Constitution. Number two, executive officials in swing states facilitated through unique and novel contracts the sharing of private and sensitive information about citizens within those states with private interests, some who actively promote leftist candidates and agendas. Bullet three, swing state governors also started issuing emergency executive orders, shutting down in-person voting while pouring new state resources into encouraging persons to vote in advance. Polling data revealed this coordinated assault on in-person voting generally favored Uh, The Democrat Party voters who preferred to vote in advance while placing Republicans who preferred to vote in person at a disadvantage. These actions represent the beginning of the formation of a two tiered election system favoring one demographic while disadvantaging another demographic. Quote, this evidence is present and available to all Americans. Phil Klein said at the press conference of the information included in this report. Quote, the mainstream media has also tried to censor this evidence, he noted, adding that, quote, America understands that there are serious problems with this election. This effectively is a shadow government running our elections, Klein said. This network pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into local election systems using the COVID crisis as a pretense. Our report proves that in reality, it was nothing more than a naked attempt to purchase the election. Zuckerbucks and local <laughs> election officials invited a billionaire into the consolidated ballot counting centers while kicking out the American people, Klein said in the statement accompanying the release of the report. Quote This report paints a clear picture of a cabal of billionaires and activists using their wealth. To subvert, control, and fundamentally alter the electoral system itself, Klein added, we must not act now to prevent such privatized elections in the future. The American public deserves transparent and fair elections, not lawless elections directed by powerful private interests. Have you heard this report on any of the major news uh, networks? No? Probably Um, not. No. In addition no. to Zuckerberg, the main foundations funding the effort to subvert the electoral system were the Democracy Fund, the New Venture Fund, Skoll Foundation, and the Knight Foundation, according to the report. Key nonprofits involved in distributing the money included uh, include CTLC, the Center for Elections Innovation Research, the Center for Civic Design, the National Vote at Home Institute, the Center for Secure and Modern Elections, and rock the vote. The report demonstrates that funding from nonprofits was especially unnecessary in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin as the federal government had already provided sufficient funding through both the Help America Vote Act and the CARES Act. The report alleged that the privatization of the administration of the election in key battleground states and its effective removal from the control of properly authorized local and state governments was strengthened by improper clawback provisions attached to grants given to counties and cities by CTLC. Under those provisions, local governments would be required to return the CTCL donation if they had failed to implement the more controversial and legally dubious elements of the plan, including the use of drop boxes, to collect absentee ballots and the requirement that counting centers be consolidated in a way that made observation of the counting process by GOP observers more difficult. The report focused heavily on how CTCL used $350 million that was donated to the 501c3 by Mark Zuckerberg and his wife between September 1st and October 21st, particularly in urban areas in four key battleground states, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. In Wisconsin, the report alleged that the CTCL plan worked to benefit Biden and the Democrats in the following ways. CTCL inked a $100,000 grant to the mayor of Racine, Wisconsin, in May of 2020, directing the mayor to recruit four other cities, Green Bay, Kenosha, Madison, and Milwaukee, to develop a joint grant request of CTCL. This effort result in these cities submitting a Wisconsin Safe Election Plan on June 15, 2020, to CTCL, and in turn received $6.3 million to implement the plan. The privatization of elections undermines the Help America Vote Act, which requires state election plans to be submitted to federal officials and approved and requires respect for equal protection by making all resources available equally to all voters. By the way, I hope the geniuses on the Supreme Court might want to read this if they have any interest in equal protection under the law anymore. The provision of Zuckerberg CTCL funds allowed these Democrat strongholds to spend roughly $47 per voter compared to $4 per voter in traditionally Republican areas of the state. Moreover, this recruiting of targeted jurisdictions for specific government action and funding runs contrary to legislative action plans, election plans, and invites government to play favorites In the election process, the Wisconsin Safe Election Plan was not authorized by the state and considered state election integrity laws as obstacles and nuances to be ignored or circumvented. Moreover, CTCL retained the right in the grant document to, at its sole discretion, order all funds returned if the grantee cities did not conduct the election consistent with CTCL dictates (laughs) think about that effectively ctcl managed the election in these five cities and this plan violated state law in at least the following three fashions number one the plan circumvented voter identification requirements for absentee ballots by attempting to classify all voters as indefinitely confined due to covid And later, after the Wisconsin Supreme Court criticism by ordering election clerks to not question such claims. Number two, the plan initiated the use of drop boxes for ballot collection, significantly breaching the chain of custody of the ballots and failing to maintain proper logs and reviews to ensure all properly cast ballots were counted and all improperly cast ballots were not. Number three, initiated the consolidation of counting centers justifying the flow of hundreds of thousands of ballots to one location and the marginalization of Republican poll watchers such that bipartisan uh, participation in the management, handling, and counting of the ballots was compromised. These are but some examples of radical changes in election processes that opened the door for significant fraud in Wisconsin.
2: Sounds like a, a dictator might be involved in this at some point. I mean, and you love the way they, they, they frame it. Oh, the Wisconsin Safe Election Plan. Yeah, it, you give it a nice name, but we all know what it is. It, it's, it's, a, it, it's a cover for fraud. They're committing, they're committing fraud. They're, they're outlining things. They're, they're talking about circumventing and going around state laws when it comes to uh, elections. And, uh, and they don't really care. And nobody seems, to be, nobody seems to be holding their feet to the fire on this.
1: Yeah, again, have you heard this report covered anywhere? Other than if you read it in Breitbart, maybe some conservative talk radios covered it. In Pennsylvania, the report says, the disparate impact of Zuckerberg funding is also present in the analysis of CTCL funding in Pennsylvania. Documents obtained through court order revealed communication between the city of Philadelphia and CTCL emphasizing that CTCL paid election judges in Philadelphia and other election officials. Now, Philadelphia is probably the most corrupt city. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So uh, you start paying (laughs) officials, what do you think is going to happen there? CTCL mandated Philadelphia to increase its polling locations and to use drop boxes and eventually mobile pickup units. Kind of like Uber. Yeah. Moreover, Zuckerberg's monies allowed Philadelphia to cure – Absentee ballots in a manner not provided for in Republican areas of the state. Again, I hope the uh, Supreme Court's paying attention here, if they still have any interest in equal protection under the law. In Democrat Delaware County, Pennsylvania, one dropbox was placed every four square miles for every four thousand voters. In the fifty-nine counties carried by Trump in 2016, there was one dropbox for every eleven hundred square miles and every 72,000 voters. Government encouraging a targeted demographic to turn out the vote is the opposite side of the same coin as government targeting a demographic to suppress the vote. This two-tiered election system allowed voters in Democratic strongholds to stroll down the street to vote, while voters in Republican strongholds had to go on the equivalent of a where's Waldo hunt to find a drop box. And I still have Michigan here to go through. But that's just a little bit from this report in Breitbart. And it's just stunning. It's just absolutely stunning. And again, I give Phil Klein a tremendous amount of credit. He saw this. He was on this. He warned about this well before the election. And again, you just, you think about all of the stuff that happened before the election. and Where were the Republicans? Where were they on all of this? Where were they on all of this in all of these states? Where were the state legislatures? Where was somebody sounding the alarm that this was going on? Anywhere.
2: Yeah, you you would think they'd be on top of it, but...
1: 13 to the hour live from studio 6b on a friday night wrapping up a great week glad you're in you're following us on social media make sure you like follow the page we got to get those numbers up at parlor twitter although twitter is getting rid of video i mean i don't know do we do we even want to stay at twitter what's the point oh no video getting censored i don't know i mean facebook i think works well for us
7: I believe it's only the live streaming
6: that's being removed from Twitter. I think they're still going to do like short form video.
1: Yeah, but you can only do two minutes. It's like, I don't know. There's no monetization. Got to get the numbers up at parlor rumble. If you haven't, if you haven't followed us on rumble, go to rumble. We're on rumble. I always forget to talk about yeah. it. We're on rumble. All the shows are there. The full show with the social media breaks and everything. Right. Geez. that the show that goes to rumble. With the social media breaks? Uh, yes, I
2: bl- oh, yes. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah, whatever you send to YouTube is what we
7: send yeah, to Rumble. Yeah, with
1: the social media breaks. Goes to Rumble. So you definitely uh, check us out on Rumble. I believe it's also at LFS6B, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I just don't think they do a live stream yet, right? They don't do live streaming yet, but I'm yeah. sure that's got to be coming. It's yeah. got to be. So how they're going to survive. They're going to have to have do ads and
3: stuff, so. Um, all right, let's do some sports. Rick Emirati's here. What's going on, pal? Pretty soon, time to expand. Rick at Slick Rick Sports at Twitter. I'm gonna have to open up a parlor <laughs> account, BD, which I have not done, but I need to do that soon. So we will have to get on that. Okay. Um, NCAA basketball scores right now. We have a final. Um, number uh, 18, San Diego State fell to BYU, 72-62. to Alex Barcelo scored uh, 22 points for BYU. And right now, uh, Tennessee, all over uh, Tennessee Tech, 98-47 late in the second half. And uh, Jaden Springer with 21 points for Tennessee, so looking good there. Um, Thursday night football. Just a recap on last night's game. Interesting game. Uh, L.A. Charges over the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, thirty to twenty-seven. In overtime, rookie Justin Herbert, big, big, uh, you know, college uh, rookie who's coming now and taking over San Diego, scored on a one-yard plunge to give the LA Chargers a 30-27 overtime victory over Las Vegas, who's now 7-7. and um, Losing quarterback Derek Carr uh, was lost to a groin injury in the game in the first quarter. And uh, now the Raiders have lost four of their last five games, all but killing their playoff chances. And uh, incidentally, head coach John Gruden was spotted, and this went viral, wearing an Oakland Raiders cap when, indeed, he now coaches the Las Vegas Raiders. He says his alibi was that he was play- a bad joke was played on him. So uh, not looking good for the uh, well, Las it is, Vegas the Raiders. Same t- it's the same
1: team. They just moved yeah. to the city. What, what's wrong with wearing the old Oakland Raiders stuff just because they're not there? I don't get that. Yep, I guess they felt that
3: he needs to show that he's in Vegas now, Big Big D. Okay, well, Um,
1: I mean, he he actually shows up for the game, so he is in Vegas when they do the games. He's there on the sidelines. I see him.
3: Yeah, He does indeed, but apparently his team did not because when you lose to the L.A. Chargers, that's not a good game because Chargers came in at 4-9, and and the Raiders were actually had great playoff aspirations uh, taking something up in the West, and now they're... The
1: the Chargers uh, coach um, is about the worst game manager I think I've ever (laughs) seen at the NFL level. I mean, no, I mean, he's the worst. He is the worst coming down to the end of the first half and the end of the game. Game management was not something was, that was strong on his resume because he has no clue what to do with the timeouts, whether to take one, not to take one, go for it on fourth, not go for it on fourth, kick the field goal, not kick the field goal, when to call the timeouts. He is awful, Anthony Lynn, awful yeah. with that.
2: Yeah, but I'm I'm sure he would be the first one to say he had a great plan. He just had 22 problems, 11 on one side of the ball and 11 on the other.
1: I don't think he has any plan.
3: (laughs) Well, Big D, he didn't do much for my uh, Dallas Cowboys as their secondary coach the last couple of years before he took the job with the Chargers. So uh, I can't can't support Anthony. Well, your
1: Dallas Cowboys have the same problem. Their coach sucks too. He doesn't know what to do at the end of halves and games and everything else. His decision-making is putrid.
3: You're talking about uh, Mike (laughs) McMuffin or you're talking about their defensive coordinator, Nolan? (laughs) No, I'm talking about the head coach. There's only one, and he sucks. Yeah, and they got another year of him because Jerry's going to stick with him.
1: Who told you he sucked, by the way, when they hired him? Big D, you were so on point, it was
3: unbelievable. What did you say to me? No, 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 no. No, no. Big D, I think we got this covered. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bring the sushi, don't worry. Okay, sportsmediawatch.com. NFL ratings, another relatively quiet week for the NFL. A lot of our followers, uh, especially my Twitter followers, want reports on what's going on with sports ratings, because a lot of our followers obviously are not big fans of the sports, because they feel, you know, NFL hasn't done the right thing by kneeling and uh, showing a lot of disrespect. So, that is starting to uh, really hurt them. Uh, last Sunday's NFL national window, uh, mostly the Saints and Eagles, averaged a Nielsen rating estimated 12.3, 22.52 million viewers on Fox, the lowest for the window in week 14 of the season since 2002. Big D eighteen years ago and two thousand eleven respectively. Ratings fell twenty four percent in viewership and twenty percent for last year on CBS when averaging uh, the featured Chiefs Patriots drew a sixteen point one and twenty eight point eleven million, still the highest for any regular season NFL window since two thousand sixteen. NFL ratings, no doubt, are dropping. The message is coming out and there's no Now, the fact that the number one Dallas Cowboys are not winning isn't helping. But, you know, quite frankly, NFL ratings are starting to really, really fall.
1: Yeah, because people are sick of these athletes like LeBron James and these NFL guys who make zillions and millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars and trash the damn country while
3: they're doing it. It's repulsive. And people are sick of it. And they should be sick of it. Well, they're certainly showing by not tuning in, Big D. Uh, Orlando, Florida. We're going to go down to the Ritz-Carlton Golf Club, where Tiger Woods elected to play with his 11-year-old son, Charlie, in the PNC Championship, an annual late-season 36-hole event that matches a major championship-winning player with a family member. The tournament begins this Saturday, tomorrow, with 20 teams. The format for the uh, tournament is a scramble, which also used during the Pro-Am, and there was a one instance on the 11th hole where Charlie hit his 11th short uh, approach a few Feet uh, kicking birdie while Tiger hitting from the same spot was nowhere within birdie range. So in other words, Charlie Woods is starting to show up his father a little bit, Big D, uh, and that's pretty good. So tune in tomorrow. They're going to be playing together uh, along with Lee Trevino and Gary Player, who are also playing with their sons. You know, Lee Trevino and, and Gary Player, they're both in their 80s now, but they're going to be teaming up with their guys. So should be a lot of fun. And uh, hey, Charlie Woods, hey, he might be our next big uh, big cat, Big D. Well,
1: let me tell you something. I saw the video of them on the range him next to his dad yep he's got all he, he, he's I mean you can lock it in right now I don't know I mean whatever however old he is until he gets to junior uh golf and then to uh starts playing the p I mean just lock it in now he's got everything the swings there the tempo's there the 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 twirling of the air it's all there he I mean he looks like almost a carbon copy the swing is already <laughs> it is it's ridiculous yeah just lock it in now yep Charlie Woods. Look. He's going after the the kid. Charlie's going after his dad's records. I'll tell you right now. <laughs>
3: Mark it down. <laughs> I like that. Um, and we, big college football weekend. Big day. I'm just going to close with this in the sports segment. Right now, we have the, uh, the uh, Pac-12 championship. Oregon and US, number 13, USC. Oregon's up on UC. 14 to nothing late in the first quarter. And some unbelievable games uh, this weekend. Cl- number three, Clemson playing number two, Notre Dame at 4 o'clock. I've cleared my schedule tomorrow. I'll be watching that game. That's the ACC championship. And at an eight o'clock, we have number seven Florida playing number one Alabama. Hey, gee, do we have that uh, Stephen A. clip there from ESPN? I want to take a look and see that on the SEC championship game. Let's talk about what I he think thinks Florida's
5: about that game. keep this
3: one close. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> close?
5: <laughs> it's a rip. <wrap. laughs> <laughs> that
7: is, that's a funny question. I mean, please. Let, it, it, since y'all haven't heard it from me in a while, Alabama, <laughs> there's nothing to talk about here. I mean, please. Don't the Florida Gators got two losses on their resume this year? Didn't they lose to Texas A&M? Didn't they lose to LSU last week in this quote-unquote Cinderella? But when LSU went up against Alabama, they dropped 55 on LSU. Um, when they went up against Texas A&M, they, they what that score like 52 to 24? But Florida lost to both of them. And they're going to give Matt Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and the crew problems? Please,
9: all day, every day, especially when it comes to the SEC this weekend. Alabama.
3: Bama! Bang, Big D. There you go. Alabama roll Although We're going to have some Gator fans that aren't going to be too happy about that. But it should be a good game. But I think Bama's going, Big D. The problem here is Stephen
1: A. Smith doesn't wager on games so he doesn't understand lines and the odds makers in Vegas because they don't give away free money. So if it was going to be that easy, they'd be a lot more than 12-point favorites. from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Friday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's off tonight. Rick Delgado's been doing news. Uh, Rick Amorati's going to have sports. We'll uh, continue with our report from Breitbart. We're still going to get into what happened in Michigan, and I'm going to give you some other things from this fine report in Breitbart today about Zuckerberg and his $419 million investment to buy the election. We'll get to that. Um... We'll also get to a pretty cute piece in PJ Media uh, entitled, Great News, 60% of Americans Think Joe Biden's Doing a Bang-Up Job as President-Elect. <laughs> we'll get to that. And we've got some clips of Joe Biden in his um, kiss-ass interview with Stephen Colbert for some reason. I mean, talk about, you know, hes has got no real questions. He, um, whenever he gets asked a real question from Peter Ducey, who's the only one who will even yell a real question at him, he acts as if he, he's just, he can't believe it was even asked. You know, he says the other day, thanks for the congratulations. Like, well, Joe, what do you, th- what do you think? them? I mean, I know you're used to them kissing your ass everywhere you go, but they're not really supposed to. This guy asked a real question, either give an answer or walk off, and he turns around and says, well, yeah, thanks for the congratulations. Like, yeah, yeah, thanks so much. Glad you recognize I'm here. Meanwhile, they have they haven't asked him one serious damn question the whole election. Not one. Mr. V- Mr. Election, uh, Mr. Vice President-elect, you're looking good today. Nice suit, good color, nice tie, matches the socks. We like that. Uh, <laughs> that that's what eyes. they thought. What kind of flavor are you going to get today if you go take your granddaughter for ice cream? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Peter Doocy says, hey, when did you find out your son was under investigation? He turns <laughs> around and says, yeah, thanks for the congratulations. Like, screw you. How dare you ask me that question?
2: Well, you know what? At the, maybe it sounded like uh, congratulations. Investigations, congratulations.
1: You yeah. know, the guy, the guy is, uh, you know, he, he's suffering a bit. And he, then he runs to Stephen Colbert. Oh. Meanwhile, you got Catherine Herridge. You got other people at CBS that could at least hopefully ask some questions. She would definitely do a great job. But no, he goes to Stephen Colbert. All right, so we'll get to those clips here in a second as well. But right now, it's time for one of my favorite news segments here on the show. That's Rick Delgado with what even is that? All right, Damon. Well, thank you. And, uh,
2: you know, since the start of this whole pandemic thing, what's it? Uh, it, it, it? What's amazing, in three months, it's going to be a year. Crazy. But there's been a collective rush to kind of reimagine everything. You've heard the word, right? Reimagine. Let's reimagine school. Let's reimagine work. Let's reimagine just about everything in our country and in our lives. But not for the better. And at first glance, it's it seems like it's a great word, right? Reimagine it seems like it'd be a great bumper sticker. It's a great word because it makes it sound like, hey, you're really doing something innovative and creative for the good of everyone, right? Yeah. But is it really? Mm. Mm. Well, now Hollywood is the latest to jump onto the reimagined bumper sticker (laughs) brigade as they have incorporated into their vernacular. Yeah. But when it comes to Hollywood, it's just the latest thing that they're using to market to the consumers, which is us. It says, hey, look, look at us. We're all out of ideas Watch this turd. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure you've seen these attempts yourself, and you're like me, just kind of shrug it off and mumble, yeah, I guess that's another movie I'm not going to go see, but don't get me wrong. It's not like some of these haven't been wildly su- successful and great. Movies that maybe were made, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago, they get an update. They get current actors, maybe better CGI, special effects, but they basically stay the same. The film doesn't change. Not so when it comes to a film being reimagined. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. That really screams original thoughts have left my head so far that we need to redo something that was already super successful and make it suck. Enter then the latest one. That would be Zorro. Yes. The Mexican bandito hero who is basically Robin, uh, Robin Hood jacked up on pinto beans has now been reimagined with a woman. And she's going to fight with a sword. Social issues. (laughs) Can you say studio write-off? Better yet, can you say, what even is that? What are you people doing? Has it ever occurred to these dolts in Hollywood that not every movie or TV show needs to be reimagined with women or gay people or what have you? It's okay to have straight male characters, especially if you want people to go see this stuff or you're into that whole, you know, I don't know, money-making thing. Now, look— <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not against women or gay people in movies. I've seen plenty. I've enjoyed them. I'm a huge fan of, say, the Bad Moms. Those movies, love them. Wonder Woman, great. Anything that stars Melissa McCarthy, awesome. Mila Jovovich, of course. And, and you can also throw in there Sandra Bullock. Let's face it, when she's walking out of the, uh, after doing the, uh, you know, the big uh, change over Miss Congeniality, that scene right here, ouch. Okay, but for all these great movies driven by strong female characters, you also have to have your reimagined movies. You know, like Ghostbusters. The original, still a classic comedy, but they decided it needed to be reimagined into a steaming pile of <laughs> Ghostbusters. But with all the women, and as it turned out, it was trash. Yeah. Next up. Then there was Ocean's Eleven. That that in itself was a remake of a classic movie called Ocean's Eleven. It did very well. It even had two sequels. But guess what? That even wasn't enough. They needed to reimagine it. And what did we get? Ocean's Eight. Yes. Ocean's Eight. All the coolness of Ocean's Eleven, but with chicks, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, not quite. They should have just called it Oceans Ain't because ain't no one I know ever seen that piece of crap. (laughs) All right? Look, I think we all know by now this whole reimagining thing is just code for let's try and make everyone feel included and that every group has something separate but equal, that they can feel good about themselves and it's just for them. But by doing that, aren't we just excluding these people further? I mean, think about it. The liberal whack knobs are actively separating us by gender, sexual preference, and color, but they're calling it inclusion. Sure. Or should I say they have reimagined inclusion? Possibly? Maybe? Either way you look at it. Hey, how about we just keep things the way they've always been and let people choose what they want based on how good it actually is? That means I don't want to see Blade reimagined starting some white chick. Wesley Snipes is Blade and that's it. I also don't want to see white chicks reimagined with transgender Asians don't no. want to see it no <laughs> and I don't think anyone else will ever be Zorro the gay blade <clears throat> or in Hollywood will you you will continue to see people at the American box office moving their dollars elsewhere reimagine that uh oh on a quick uh PS this this came in just at the end they're planning a reimagined splash yeah You know, the 1984 comedy with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Uh, It's going to be reimagined, they say. But instead of a man meeting a mermaid, it will be, you guessed it, a woman meeting a merman. Ugh. And I am done.
1: Ugh.
5: All right. Merman.
1: Ouch. (laughs) What even is that? I like that one. That was a good one. Ugh. Ugh. Reimagine this. If they can ruin it, they'll figure out a way yeah, to ruin they'll, they'll it. They'll so, figure it out. Yeah. So just don't ruin when Harry met Sally or things like that, please. <laughs> you know that's coming. Yeah, probably. It's gonna
2: be when Harry met Harry. <laughs> I'll yeah, have bro- what she's probably.
1: <laughs> um all right, very good, Rick. So let's well, we were just talking about it, so let's get to uh let's get to Joe Biden and we might as well start with um the clip that everyone's talking about and that is of course him talking about his son um hunter and whether that would be i don't think that's itchy. there you go the used against him here's that people who you thought that you could rely on sometimes turn on you what are you going to do
6: and how will you sustain each other for the attacks that you know are coming your way I mean, case in point i know you want to be as bipartisan and reach across the aisle but as no, much just as... stop
1: it for a second. I mean, this is the first time I've seen some of this. What the hell kind of questioning is this? <laughs> Can someone tell me? Like, uh, are you gonna ask a question? Or are you gonna just pontificate on your feelings about the guy and what you think he's gonna be? Yeah. Well, what is this?
2: Uh, that's that's the classic you know hey i want to ask you about something but i know i'm not supposed to so i'm just gonna like you said pontificate and and just fluff it up it's a word salad of stuff and i'll put a question mark at the end and then you tell me how you feel i mean this is pathetic go ahead you don't want it to happen you know
6: that the people who want to make hay in washington are going to try to use your adult son as a cudgel against you how do you feel about that, and what There's do you have to say no to those people? No idea what he's people? talking about.
7: <laughs> well, look, uh, I have—we have great confidence in our son. Uh, I am not concerned about any accusations been made against him. It's used to get to me. I think it's kind of foul play. But uh, look, it is what it is, and uh, he's a grown man. He is the smartest man I know. I mean, in terms of pure intellectual capacity. All right, um, stop and, it.
1: Uh... <laughs> Come on, Big D. I mean, it just right there, I mean, it, 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 he's the smartest man you know. There's pictures of this guy <laughs> on a hard drive. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, just they, that are almost indescribable. The, the decisions he's made are almost indescribable.
7: I mean, it takes one to know one,
1: right? Well, that's true, too. And by the way, I'm sure Barack Obama's happy to hear that he you think Hunter Biden is intellectually more um, uh, uh the smartest man you know intellectually when you served eight years with uh, the first African-American president, who I think most would say whether you like anything about his presidency or not. The guy's pretty smart. Uh, but no, not as not smart as... Your crack-smoking <laughs> son, I guess, in your in estimation. Well,
2: you know what? When you consider what could have happened when he fell asleep with that crack pipe in his mouth and he didn't, you know, catch fire, I think, he, you know, maybe he's got a point. Maybe he is pretty smart.
1: But, I mean, honestly, t- to me, I'm more dismayed about the interviewer here than I am the interviewee so far. The How kind of question is that? I mean, you you know the media's going to... I mean, this is a guy who's part of the media that for four years have told us everything about this president, his family, his kids, his grandkids, he's Hitler, he's a Russian agent. Oh, you know, I'm very concerned about, really? This is, we're going to take this guy seriously? Let me see the end of this clip, G. And
7: as long as he's good, we're good. Um, and
6: as a father, I understand that, and, and, and I, I admire that. But I mean, in terms of your job as president, can you reach across the aisle to people who will be using this as an attack on you when it is such a personal attack? Because it's about family.
1: No, no, stop it. Stop it.
9: Stop it. It's about
1: family. What what kind of a question is that? They're going to be used... Is this is it is what there is this not factual? Is their hard drive not true? Is the business dealings not true? Is Tony Bobolinski a liar? Like where are the questions like that? Well, you know, those questions
2: are never going to be asked by somebody like a Colbert. He's a clown. He's a comic. He's not really a serious guy anyway. But for him to sit there with the soft lighting, you know, almost the between two ferns kind of look like, oh, it's so, you know, as a father, shut up. You're an idiot. He shouldn't even be on this show. But since he is, he should be asking him stupid questions like, hey, did you ever smoke crack with Hunter? (laughs) That should be the question. And then to sit there and be like, well, you know, it's, it's a personal thing. No, it's not personal, you dope. It's, it has to do with national security. He's making deals with China, Ukraine. He's been involved. He's gotten 300, uh, $3.5 million from the uh, mayor's wife of Moscow.
1: That has nothing to do with just family issues, Can dude. Can you reach across the aisle, the people that you know are going to be... <laughs> u- I mean, nothing about the actual facts of what happened, like Rick is pointing out. This guy's This guy's a joke. <laughs> Live from Studio 6P, 17 past the hour on a Friday night, Real America's Voice. <clears throat> if Hunter Biden's the smartest guy Joe Biden knows, we're in big trouble. <laughs> Bigger trouble than we thought. If this idiot gets into office, God forbid. Uh, we still got a long way to go here. We'll see what happens. All right, let's do some news and we'll get to more of these clips if we can stomach them. Stephen Colbert's <laughs> questioning. <laughs> uh, well, let's do some News with uh, Rick Delgado. What's going on, Bill?
2: let's see. Well, the Commerce Department has decided that they are going to be adding dozens of Chinese companies to the blacklist, citing national security concerns. This coming from Wilbur Ross, as he announced that uh, yesterday, Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross announced it, and that he said that these about 80 firms, which are Chinese, will be placed on a list and denied access to U.S. technologies. Quote, What this is all about are these companies that are tied to the People's Liberation Army, he said. They have to do with access to very advanced semiconductor products. Semiconductor Manufacturing uh, International Corp., or SMIC, which is China's largest chip manufacturer, will be blacklisted, as well as such supply firms as Broadcom and Qualcomm. The black listing will ensure that China, through its national champion SMIC, is not able to leverage U.S. tech to enable indigenous advanced technology levels to support its destabilizing military activities, Ross told the Wall Street Journal. And in, de- in November, the Defense Department added SMIC to the list of companies allegedly linked to the Chinese military. So the Trump administration officials have added these companies to the list, which now includes around 300 Chinese companies, and their affiliates and sub- subsidi- uh, subsidies. Earlier this year, telecom giant Huawei was added to that list as well. So, again, that coming from Just the News. And, again, if you, if you ever do want to catch up on news stuff that maybe you're not seeing, go to JustTheNews.com because they really condense it down, give you the great stuff that is always coming out, John Solomon's site. Plus, and it's something that was pointed out to me. I didn't notice it until I think you pointed it out. Yeah, they dig they really dig in where you can see where they're getting this news. It's not, it's not just made up. It's not anonymous sources. Yeah. So you really get some good stuff.
1: Hey, Fran, do you know who one of the companies that may be on the DJI um, – I'm on the list is DJI, uh-huh. which I've got about three drones, two gimbals. I've got all kinds of DJI stuff, and I believe they're on this list. Yeah, they're
8: fully Chinese as far as I understand.
1: I know, but, I mean, does that mean they're, like, watching all my drone footage that's, like, a passing through? <laughs> Well, it depends whether or not you turn that GPS radio on or not. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if the footage is any good, they probably don't want. Uh, well, yeah, I think they're on there. So, all right, what else is in the news, uh, Rick?
2: Well, this one is uh, kind of a lighthearted one. Of course, you know the election happened. Lots of uh, lots of office. Or offices, I should say within Congress, I've been changing outgoing reps, incoming reps. Uh, one outgoing rep named Joe Cunningham out of South Carolina decided to change things up on the House floor in his farewell speech. Uh, turns out he decided to do a little civility toast. The first term Democrat who lost his reelection bid took to the House floor on Thursday for his farewell address. And he cracked open a beer to make a toast to his fellow lawmakers. He said, and I quote, for the betterment of this country, we have to come together. We have to sit down and listen to each other and maybe even have a beer. Cunningham said, reaching into his suit jacket pocket, pulling out the can and popping it open. In the spirit of bipartisanship, of cooperation, I raise this glass to my colleagues, both Democrats and Republicans. Cunningham's 38. He's a lawyer whose campaign slogan was low country over party. Um, So, And he basically lectured his fellow lawmakers, calling out those who consistently put the Democratic Party ahead of their own people. I've been trying to work with people since the first day I got here. Um, He noted that President Trump signed two of his bills into law and said, the other side is not the enemy. We made it here by promising something different, by promising to work with one another, reach across the aisle, listen to those we may not agree with, and get things done. Of course, Cunningham made waves when he uh, took office in his first vote as congressman. He did not back Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House. So uh,
1: so speaking of uh, some of the other stuff that's going on in the House, so AOC was up for a uh, pretty prestigious seat in the um, Democratic, um, um, one of these committees. And uh, she was up against Kathleen Rice, who I believe is from Long Island, yeah. New York. Yep. yep. Uh so AOC was up for this um what committee was it? It was the House Energy and Commerce Committee. And so they had a race to they had a, a secret ballot vote uh between Kathleen Rice and AOC, and Kathleen Rice won um forty six to thirteen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> forty six to thirteen. AOC lost the internal race in her own party to Kathleen Rice. So um, yeah, I guess feuding with Joe Manchin and saying Pelosi and Schumer have to go, which <laughs> she got a lot of a lot of people <laughs> like me agree with her there. So a lot when you get conservatives agreeing with you and then you run for committee, you're probably not gonna do too well. Forty six to thirteen, not too good. So no. yeah. All yeah, right, what else is-
2: it's kind of amazing she would lose that. Huh? Who would have saw that one coming?
1: Yeah. All right, what else is going on?
2: <laughs> Let's see. Um, this one dives into a little bit of sports. I don't know if you heard. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is now actively asking for companies, to uh, social media companies, to censor conservatives. Okay. Um, <laughs> You can't make it up. They actually have to say it and do it. Uh, he wants social media companies, since they've begun slapping warnings on some messages that are false and incite violence, he claims he also wants it to be done with consistency and vigilance. Studies indicate that when readers see these warnings, they're less likely to read or believe these things. Um, he didn't cite what studies he was referring to, but he has, uh, he has made it his opinion that, you know what, conservatives need to be... Uh, Need to be censored, and this is coming from uh, you know one of the greatest basketball players of all time, Abdul Jabbar, seventy-three. He also uh, referenced Rudy Giuliani, Roseanne Barr, John Voight, and J.K. Rowling uh, as examples of why social media companies should do more to combat the spread. Pointing to Giuliani's stance on the twenty twenty presidential election, writes anti-vax posts, and Rowling's views on transgender people.
1: So yeah just another
3: guy who can't stay in his lane yeah. yeah I mean come on he's not what has he really done in the last 40 years I mean come on really? Yeah, he, I, he, I, has a, he
2: hasn't won anything right
3: no
1: well
3: no but that's I mean I, I, that's,
1: I'm not sure that's exactly the point who <laughs> no, cares no. what he's done I mean who cares what his, who I, cares what your thoughts on what obviously you don't believe in free speech okay so just say that I mean what, why do we need to hear from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar See? on his feelings on what, uh, what social media policies or, or uh, who should be censoring who I mean, who cares what he thinks, number one, even if he is idiotic? Number two, I mean, just please go away. All these sports (laughs) guys, just go away. Well, you know what? Put the ball in the hoop and shut up. I think
2: it's it's fine. Kareem should talk more. Why? So we can see who these idiots are and know that we can kind of dismiss them and be like, all right, you're a moron. Um, but
1: they're not dismissed. They're embraced by well, most of the Democratic Party, most those, of big time media and colleges and universities yep. and all these other places that the left has just taken over and tinged everything with leftism in this in this society. They're embraced by these people. So the other guy we talked about, who's um, on CNN, Oliver Darcy. He's all, another one. Ah, shut them all down. We talked about him a, m- a couple of weeks ago. He says, well, the president should just get thrown off Twitter. Twitter today I saw something well as soon as he's not president January 22nd we can ban him right so no this is embraced by their party it's braced by the media
2: yeah but you know what it it, if you want free speech they should be allowed to say it right I mean that's 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 the that's the you know uh, that's part of the deal I, I mean stupid people get to have free speech too
1: yeah absolutely so
2: Unfortunately, like you said, it gets embraced as, oh my goodness, they're, they're so smart, they're so prophetic, we should, we should follow them. Oh, it's wonderful. But people like that, you know, Kareem, let's face it, Kareem, you couldn't have done what you've done in your life any other place but this country. So for you to actively seek to shut people down kind of goes against everything that you were trying to do so you weren't shut down when you were coming up, when you were a younger person trying to make your way, trying to get ahead. But now you want to shut down everybody else who might have, you know, want want to aspire to to things that are, uh,
1: you know, a little different than what you have. Following in LeBron's footsteps, all of them. All right, more news. More Stephen Colbert's joke interview last night when we get back. 6b uh 30 minutes past the hour hour two just going over to check out the youtube audience uh we'll do some more news here with uh rick delgado in a second but let's get to a couple more things here so joe biden did this uh, kiss-ass interview with uh stephen colbert It's pathetic and um i played you the hunter biden let's do a couple more here joe biden uh republicans not acknowledging his win g let's uh let's hear what he has to say here When we spoke in May, I
6: asked you if you were going to beat this guy, I believe is how I put it. And you said, yes, I am. And it's beginning to look pretty good for you. The odds (laughs) are pretty good that, that you're going to beat him at this point. Do you take it personally at all, the Republicans who haven't acknowledged you win?
7: No, look, they're in a tough spot. I know everybody says, well, they should just step up. How can I say this? A number of them sent messages to me four weeks ago. Give me time, Joe. Give me some time. It's fine by me. It's fine by me. We won. We won Georgia three times. <laughs> no, but, but all kidding aside, look, it's a, it's a tough spot. Um, but you well, understand the spot they're in? I do. But, but because you
6: understand it, you also have to understand how futile the spot is for them to resist the reality of the electoral culture. Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, a friend of yours, he has said things about you nicer than anything has any had been said about me. I wish somebody would say the things about me that Lindsey Graham said about you. D- do you think you guys can patch it up and work together?
7: Lindsey's been a, uh, a personal disappointment because I was a personal friend of his. Um, and uh, but look, oh. I don't think uh, I think that. Uh, I think I can work with the Republican leadership in the House and the Senate. I think we can get things done. And, uh, and I think once this president is no longer in office, I think you're going to see his impact on the body politic fade. And a lot of these Republicans are going to feel they have much more room to, uh, to run and cooperate.
1: Well, there he's right, by the way, because mm-hmm. we know how spineless the Republicans are. So he's absolutely right about that last part. If, God forbid, he takes office and Trump uh, is, is has to leave office, he's absolutely right. The, the, these, these, most of these Republicans are so phony, they'll fold right into place just like Mitch McConnell's trying to position himself already. You'll have a good handful of them that will do that. So he's absolutely right about the last part. But here we, here we go again. Stephen Colbert, wh- why, does, wh- why do we need to hit him to inject what the situation is? Oh, it's, uh, do, you, do you find, but no, really, do you find the spot that they're in because they're not uh, looking at the reality of this? Well, how does Stephen <laughs> Colbert know what the reality of the situation is? Has he been on his show talking about some of the issues at, uh, at hand at the Supreme Court at the Equal Protect? Of course not. He could give a damn about any of that. Well, how does he know what the situation is? We got to listen, listen to this guy tell us what the situation is.
2: And what's sad is that so many people will look to something like this and be like, now that's a good interview, that, that this is where they get their news from. You know, people like that, Jimmy Kimmel and, and those clowns, these guys, it, it, it's fluff, it's fun, they're not serious. And you can tell because he's not getting real questions. When he gets a real question, what happens to Joe? Immediately, he becomes angry Joe. That's
1: how you know you've asked him a real question. He won't even do a real exactly. interview with real questions, and they let him get with, get away with it. That's the point right. to, for him to do. The, you know, his trans. There's no. There's nobody from his side, even in this tr- supposed transition, that's doing any briefings with the press. You don't see any of his people ever get questioned on anything, on any of the people he's talking about bringing in in some of their pasts some of the things they're doing right now, some of the people he wants to bring in, this EPA person he wants to bring in who was in the middle of the Flint uh, water disaster. He wants to put her back. I mean, all the old retreads, no questions about any of it because they don't do any press. They don't take any questions. It's great. Well, so let's hear this. Uh, Geopreptes, he says, so this one's how he was going to deal with Russia. So let's hear what the question and answer is here. This ought to be good. Let's hear this, G.
6: I know you've heard from world leaders. I understand that Vladimir Putin sent you a telegram, which I didn't know you could still do. But
7: what did it say? Can you share that with us? Uh, the, answer, uh, the answer is yes. It basically said congratulations, acknowledge, and I won. But there wasn't much beyond that. What happens to our relationship with Russia? There has been essentially patty cake with
6: Russia for the last four years, regardless of the fact that we knew that they attacked our election. Right, no, stop and it. we've just now, found out. See,
1: comments like that, just, you just be clown yourself. You just make yourself look to be more of a fool than we already know you are because that is such nonsense when it comes to all of these places, China, Iran, Russia. These guys for eight years went around apologizing for the country, getting into deals, thro- throwing zillion, billions, flying billions of dollars overseas to wherever. Th- I mean, what is he talking about? That's why this whole interview at this point, we you can't even take this guy seriously, patty cakes, a- I- ask Vladimir. Why don't you send a telegraph, genius, since you don't know you could do that. Why don't you send one back asking him if he thinks it's been patty cakes? That's why he sent a telegraph to Biden. Because he's jumping for joy like all these other places are. Like China is, and Iran is, Russia is. They're all jumping for joy to get their hands around this guy. Patty cakes? Give me a break. Let me hear the rest of this nonsense. Now for the last eight months at least, they've been setting up base camp in
6: both economic, financial, and national security organizations in the United States. How do you make sure they don't do this again? What is the message? How do you send that message of a <coughs> brushback pitch
7: I to have the Russians? The message. Wow, great question. They'll be held accountable. Oh. They'll be held accountable. About, uh, Can you, you give us a okay.
6: appetizer of what that accountability might be?
7: Individuals <coughs> as well as entities will be... Uh, find they have there's financial repercussions for what they did ability to access a lot and we have to invest a lot more money in cyber well,
1: that's a good no, answer we have to
7: invest a lot more well, money in dealing with the ability to respond as well as the uh, the ability to be more Get to it out, protect Joe. both private and public entities and we haven't made that commitment and we will under my administration
1: how kind of answer is that
2: that isn't an answer <laughs> that's a politician diverting from russia to we need to work on cyber for for what are you saying that you know that russia is doing some cyber warfare that we should be uh, addressing what are you saying joe or can you not say it because well you don't know what the hell you're talking about
1: we're trying to address the current attack that we may may still be under from this solar winds deal um, they think that maybe russian actors involved with this and they think it may be one of the bigger Uh, cyber attacks the country's ever undergone and the people i've talked to say they may not know the damage of this and how bad it's been for a little bit of time yeah as they try to undergo redoing all the things they have to do to try to stay ahead of the game here all right let's continue there's a couple other things here from this this genius (laughs) interview Uh, Let's talk. He talks about vaccination and logistics of vaccination. Now, remember something. This is a guy who, for months, demagogued against this vaccination. Him and his running mate demagogued against it because Trump, for ten months, had to fight the bureaucracy, gave him millions of dollars, and made something that would have taken five to eight years happen in ten months. That are now people are receiving. And again, I say this like a broken record. I don't care if you're a vaccine person or not. What the president has accomplished with this vaccine, he deserves, I don't know even know what he deserves. But it's, it's nothing short of a miracle and nothing short of anything that no one else could have done except for him to get this done the way he has and the way he pushed them. That's why the bureaucracy hates him. Because he pushed them like nobody else could ever have pushed them to get this done. You may be surprised at the beginning of this next clip. Well, let's hear it.
6: <laughs> is there anything about your predecessor, the current president, that you could thank him for sincerely?
7: Well, um, the answer is there are some things. I think what he's done, uh, getting the vaccine moving, has been positive. But by and large, he has been uh a president who's decided that the way he succeeds is by dividing us.
6: Well, I want to talk about the present crisis, uh, the COVID-19 crisis. You've said in your first 100 days you want to see 100 million Americans inoculated. 100 million
7: inoculations. That's
6: 50 million Americans. Okay, 50 million Americans, 100 million inoculations in the first 100 days. Um, I follow this stuff as closely as I can. I don't actually know how that's going to be achieved. I don't know the process. I'm willing to wait my turn. But hand to God, I don't know what the plan is. Do you know what the plan is? I know the plan I
7: I want. I know the plan I'm learning about. It's a big difference. My argument from the beginning has been here. It's one thing to get the vaccine delivered to X number of spots around the country. It's a very different thing to get the vaccine out of that tube into a syringe into somebody's arm. The vaccination, Mm -hmm. that is a monumental task and it's probably the single most significant um, uh, effort that take place in the United States to distribute something around the world, around the country. And so it's gonna take a lot more than we have now. That's why I'm praying that the House passes at least, I mean, the House and Senate before the recess now, pass that $90 billion, $900 billion proposal. Mm -hmm. We're gonna need more. We're gonna need more vaccine. We're gonna need more money. We're gonna need more to be able to get this distributed, but it's underway. And I believe we can get one, I I think we can get 100 million vaccinations taking place. That's, and some of the vaccinations, you know, require two different shots. Two different times i know and one of the things i'm pleading with the president to do now is order more of it we stepped off the world stage we walked away from the world health organization we decided we weren't going to cooperate with any other nations in this, and participate that's a big mistake walls can't stop the virus
1: <laughs> no but, but his cheesy masks can. don't you worry okay uh one last one from this ridiculous interview uh and this involves his wife let's uh let's hear this g
6: now some people have recently taken upon themselves to question that title of yours do you have any reaction to those people yeah that was such a surprise it caught me by surprise (laughs) as well i did not see that one coming (laughs)
0: no nor did i and you know it was really the tone of it that I think that um, you know he called me kiddo and one of the things I'm most proud of is uh, is my doctorate I mean I worked so hard for it and uh, and my you know Joe came when I defended my thesis and um, but you know
7: it- I got to hand her a doctorate <laughs> on the stage University of Delaware. But she had 2 masters degrees she kept going to school all the time while teaching at night and then what happens is I said Jill why don't you get a doctor and make us some real money. She gets the doctor <laughs> and gets a $2,000
1: raise. Yeah. Well, and, If you can't don't worry we'll the, do it in China and every came other place. Out
0: <laughs> in support of me. I, I mean I am so grateful and I was you know I was just overwhelmed by uh, how gracious people were to Do you think agree. it
6: might be a little bit of a compliment that people were trying to think of something to criticize you about? And they were like, <laughs> oh, what do we
1: got?
0: I, I got it. Okay, I'll take it that now,
6: way. Now what about you? As a husband who loves this person, did you ever, you know, want to like get out a length of pool chain and go full corn pop on these people?
7: <laughs> the answer is it's No.
0: Close. <laughs> there's no. No, no,
7: but, <laughs> but there's some of these anyway. <laughs>
1: hmm yeah good idea
7: joe i've been suppressing my irishness for a long time
1: it's always a smart thing yeah. to do take them out behind the woodshed right joe because you're such a tough guy <laughs> on a friday night real america's voice dish network channel 219 pluto tv channel 240 it's been a great week again thank you uh, to the audience for everything it's been a good week make sure you're following us all our social media twitter um facebook youtube
3: parlor rumble all of them uh, let's do some sports now with Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D, NCAA action. Oregon 21-14 to over USC, Pac-12 championship playoff game. And we have right now uh, Tennessee, number 10, Tennessee, 103-49 to over Tennessee Tech. Uh, that was Jaden Springer with 21 points to lead Tennessee in the scoring. And moving on from that, we have Clemson, Notre Dame tomorrow, 4 p.m., Big game. Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly threatens to boycott sham college football playoff. Kelly is threatening to decline an invite to the college football playoff if parents of his players aren't allowed to attend the game. During a Zoom call of reporters previewing Saturday afternoon block busts, the ACC championship game against Clemson, Kelly went off on the subject session, the committee figure out a way to conclude parents. He quoted, I'm not sure we'll play in the playoffs if the parents can't be there. Kelly said, why should we play if you can't have families at the game? If you can't have families at bowl games, why would you go to a game where your families can't be a part of it? What's the sense of playing games in an area of the country where nobody can be a part of it? The issue is is that Notre Dame may be invited to play at the Rose Bowl, which is in California, and therefore nobody is allowed to attend the game. So Kelly is thinking about Protesting that game and not showing up. I don't know what'll happen. It all depends, of course, if Clemson uh, if they are successful against Clemson tomorrow in the game at four o'clock. Well,
1: normally Notre Dame doesn't play in uh, you know this year. I think is the year they're 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 playing this ACC schedule, right? Because normally they don't play in a conference, right? Or they play in uh, they usually I think they don't play a conference, and that's one of the problems with Notre Dame is they always got to go undefeated and play a pretty deep. They just play whoever they play, but they don't play. I don't. I don't think they play in a conference. I think Notre Dame has never played in like the ACC or the, they don't play in a conference. That's one of the big things with them all the time, right. every year. When it comes down to the college football playoff, it's always like strength of schedule, and they're always a big part of the debate because they're not in a conference. I, I'm pretty sure I'm correct about that. Yes. This year, they're they're playing. They declared to play in the ACC, so that's why this game with Clemson is such a big game tomorrow. Yeah. But he's right. I mean, these, th- these places hold 100,000 people. You're telling me you can't socially distance at least the parents of the kids who have made it to these games? Come on.
3: Yeah, terrible. They've been there for their kids from when they were in peewee football all the way through. And they can't be there to see their sons in, in, in a big championship game. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that, Big D. That will obviously be determined tomorrow whether or not Notre Dame does indeed beat Clemson and get invited to the Rose Bowl for the following week, which will be after New Year's. Um, big uh, NFL schedule, Big D, to games to watch. We got Saturday football. Buffalo at Denver, 4.30 p.m. on NFL Network. And at 8.15, we have Carolina playing Green Bay. The Packers are hot. They're hosting on the frozen tundra. NFL Network tomorrow night, 8.15. Won't want to miss that. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's hitting his prime, and uh, they're going to be a strong team. They have the NFC North all locked up, and they're definitely going to have something to say. A couple of other games. Um, we have New England and Miami playing tomorrow uh, on Sunday. New England's, Sam- New England's my lock of the week, by the way. You do, yeah. You go in against Tua Tagler. And they're on the road, Big D. Yeah, it's my lock of the week, New England. Okay, we'll, we'll report back on that on Monday. Mark it down. <laughs> yeah, okay, San Francisco at Dallas, Jacksonville at Baltimore. Uh, we have the, the Bears visiting Minnesota. Uh, Tampa at Atlanta. Jets and the Rams and, uh, well, Kansas City, New Orleans, that's a big game, Big D. Drew Brees got, is going to play. That's right. Adam Schefter reported earlier today, Drew Brees is back in action, and I think that's going to be a blockbuster game, although I think the Chiefs are going to win. Who do you have in that one, Big D?
1: I don't have the Chiefs. I told you, the Chiefs are not – they are not they're, they're, their defense is not good. You can't go 5-0 and in your last five games and go 0-5 against the spread. You can't cover a game. They play down to the competition. Yeah. The Saints were clearly looking ahead last week, and that's why they dropped that one to Philly. Now Drew Brees is back. This is a defense that can that can that can play with Kansas City. They won nine in a row before last week. I got all. I'm all New Orleans. Whoever Kansas City plays every week, I'm on the opposite side. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the opposite yeah. team because they're just not that good. And I the know everybody right? thinks they're good, and they're yeah. winning the game, but they can't. They're not going to get away for, with that style of play all the way to the Super Bowl again. I don't think.
3: Yeah, and Saints are coming off a tough loss against Philly. They're going to be pretty angry, and I think they're going to want to get that win because they need to sew up the uh, NFC South. Uh, and then we have Cleveland at the Giants. That'll be the premier game on uh, Sunday night football. Both That's teams. Not, no, no. That's not a <laughs> premier game anywhere. The Giants sure. suck. Yeah, well, well, Cleveland's Just because they play it.
1: in the NFC East, it's horrific. The Giants are laid an egg yeah. last week at home against Arizona in a game they had a win. Oh, no, they suck. Well, is look. it a two first-place teams, though? No. No? No, Washington
3: uh, New well, Cleveland's trail right in Pittsburgh by two games. Yeah. yeah. They're nine oh, they know it for what? Pittsburgh is eleven and two. Yeah. So uh but like you know, make Baker Mayfield, feel that'd be a good game. They actually bumped the Dallas San Francisco 49er game due to the fact that the obviously this is a more important game can as you explain the NFL. To me, does.
1: Can you explain to me your Dallas Cowboys at home with their backup quarterback playing? How they're a three-point underdog to a a road team that has a backup quarterback that's worse than your backup
3: quarterback, and about eighty-something million dollars with a salary cap that's on the sideline for the Niners. Uh, You know, Big D. Dallas is just you know they're they're a tough team. They're playing for the draft. Obviously, they're looking for a top three pick. All right, we got a minute here. What else? Uh, and uh, one last thing, we got boxing tomorrow night, title fight Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas. Canelo Alvarez, 53 and 1, 36 knockouts versus Callum Smith, 27 and 0, 19 knockouts. 12 rounds for Smith's WBA super middleweight title, with Alvarez's WBA regular super middleweight title and the vacant WC super middleweight title on the line. Alvarez is a minus 700 favorite. Yeah. And uh, yeah, wait, that's boring. A th- yeah, well, it's on your favorite, your favorite network, Big D the zone (laughs) so never a big fight on that network and that's a wrap in sports enjoy your weekend all
1: right thanks rick uh all right so here we go crazy town for the wrap the week up and i mean i don't know there's some things that should just be off limits especially to ava perone and this is one of them roll it
0: thank you for joining us i'm Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and I'm really excited to be here with all of you. And I also know someone who's <laughs> been really following the rules and making sure that he no, just stays listen. safe Jeez, and I mean, the not- elves stay safe. And so my special guest is Santa Claus.
9: Hello, boys and girls, how are you?
0: Does anyone have a question for Santa Claus? Santa, do you have to wear a, a mask?
9: When I'm in my workshop <laughs> with all my elves, we all are mashed up in social distancing. Hi, Seth. Hi,
7: Seth. Should <laughs> we leave out cookies and elves Also, some carrots for the reindeer this
2: year?
9: Yes, please do. Set out carrots and cookies if you can. We also also
0: say, hands <laughs> with the cookies Oh, uh, come on. That was a good suggestion. No, no what,
9: it wasn't. Who, who told that kid to say
2: that?
0: Yeah. yeah. Coronavirus in the
9: North. Look at this. Everyone has been testing negative. We're still getting tested. I think we're so far up north that it might not be getting to us, but we're not gonna take any chances. <laughs> we're all gonna mask up, we're all gonna wash our hands, and we're all gonna stay six feet apart.
5: Thank you. Hi,
2: Hi. how can we keep people safe for Christmas? Oh.
9: What I would suggest to do is what look the at Governor Perum, is how telling she is. all the people of the great state of Michigan to do. Social distance, wash your hands, and make sure you wear your mask when you're outside your home.
0: And another way to stay safe during the holiday is to stay home But call your grandparents and your cousins and your family, and Ah, it's the safest way to tell the people you love how much you care about them. This year, it has to look a little bit Mm -hmm. different so we can stay safe. And I appreciate all of you doing your part. I
2: really hope a house falls on that woman.
0: Thank you. So much for making time for us today. Let's hear your oh, bus. Oh, ho, ho, ho 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 ho! Merry, ho, ho, ho. Christmas. Oh. Merry Christmas! Merry
9: Christmas! Ho, ho
5: ho! Bye,
9: everybody.
1: I mean that. Real? That's just. <laughs> that's propaganda. That's, that's really crazy, man. Yeah. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks everybody on the show. Thanks, Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. We will see you Monday night, 8 p.m. next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we're off till January 4th. (laughs) We will see you Monday night, 8 p.m. Get out of here bombing everything. (laughs)